Welcome back to the Renaissance Space podcast, a place for teachers, leaders, and anyone interested in education to hear a range of different voices discussing all manner of different topics, all obviously associated with teaching and learning. My name is Margaret Allen, and I'm your host. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be talking to Michael Tidd. Michael, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yeah. Hello, Margaret. Um, my name is Michael Tidd. I'm head teacher at East Preston Junior School, which is down on the lovely Sussex coast. That's my little recruitment bit there. If anybody's looking for posts, <laughs> always look out for us. Um, but yeah, head teacher for junior school. I've been here now. It's my third year here. Fantastic. So, um, well, they know where to find you then, Michael. Yes. Now you've, you've told them. It's out there. <laughs> um, head teacher. So I'm sure whoever you speak to, whether it's someone who went to school 50 years ago or someone who's got children at school or someone who's in government, doesn't matter what their role or profile is, their view of a head teacher will be very different, probably, from yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting that, firstly, I, I sometimes have to remind children at school that the, the teacher bit is still there. And I do, I think it's quite important. I'm still a teacher, um, although I don't do as much of it as I once did. And it, it always amazes me. Children sometimes say, oh, you're quite good at this, don't you? So it is my job. Um, but actually, it, it's massively more than that. And, and, it, and it wouldn't be enough to be, I mean, I, my, my one afternoon of Spanish Nari wouldn't quite cut it. Um, but I do think actually part of the role is is providing the right environment for the teachers that we have got to do the absolute best you kind of hope as a head teacher that what you create is an environment in which every teacher in your school is better than you ever were um, in all sorts of ways and particularly as a as a collective I guess so I think that that's it the head teacher's role is sometimes referred to as the proverbial umbrella to deal with some of those things that come in that perhaps you don't want to be affecting your staff to try and limit the impact on them but also to, to give them the scope and the freedom or the resource or the time to achieve the wonderful things you want them to do that then have that massive impact on the children in their care. And I mean, the last two years obviously have probably <laughs> challenged that in every direction. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and yeah, and, and you know, it, it's it's only now becoming noticeable, really. So, in fact, we had just before Easter, we had our first you know, year four performance, so the first show we've done to parents in the last couple of years. Uh, and I got quite choked up at the end of it when I went up to speak to parents. At the end of it, hey, I felt for them; they've missed out on these opportunities for their children. But yeah, it feels like we're getting a bit of life back into school because, yeah, the focus of the last two years has too often, I guess it's been on that umbrella side of things. How do we deal with all the rubbish that's being thrown at us, both pandemic-wise and government-wise, all those things, and allow teachers to do the very best they can for the children in school, children at home. Um, so yeah, it's, it's certainly been very different and I'm, I won't be sorry to see the back of some of those challenges. No, and I think more recently I've been shocked at how lacking in, in media attention schools have been given. You know, COVID's gone, hasn't it? And yeah. it's been gone now for six months. I mean, everyone else is just getting on with yes. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. As if everything's back to normal. And yet, and I speak to so many colleagues and teachers will recognise this everywhere. It, actually, it feels like the last term, the spring term of this year was where we were hardest hit. Uh, we went through probably most of the first year with no cases in school, no impact directly apart from you know the obvious. Um, and then this last term, we had our biggest numbers of children out between January and February, our biggest impact on staff in February and March of the spring term. So it, it hasn't got easier, certainly lately. We, we're feeling, I'm touched with a few weeks into this half term, we seem to be in a much better place. But yeah, it doesn't. I'm not convinced yet we've seen the, the last of it. So balancing all of those elements that you described earlier, 
clearly the the scales have been um, <laughs> being used a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it feels like they've been tipped against us on many occasions. Last week when we were chatting about what we might chat about today, you used a wonderful phrase, which was developing a culture of purposeful preparation. Would you like to explain a little bit what you meant by that? Yeah, I think that that purposeful culture is so important. And and I've I've worked with lots of schools in different contexts and and you never go into a school where people aren't working their absolute hardest. You know, you see teachers and support staff, everybody in the building is pulling out all the stops to do what they can. The big difference I see in schools where that's being successful is where the time's being spent on things that are going to have an impact. Actually, there's a purpose behind everything they're doing. Um and by contrast, you so often see things that are happening in school where the focus is is on getting things done, but but it actually isn't as clear. Is that having an impact on the children's experience, on their outcomes? And and sometimes you absolutely invest in things that don't directly impact your SATS results. Of course you do and you have to. And sometimes you invest in things that are just about making the place look nice or make but it's it's if your if your focus needs to be, particularly when it comes to kind of teacher time and workload. Is what we're doing serving a purpose for for the children that we're here with, really, and and creating that sort of ambiance, really, of of where the children are then being stimulated to do what you want them to do, and and that's also the challenge, isn't it? Allowing them to use their energy effectively, but that needs to be prompted. Yeah, that's that's oh. it, and I think equally, you you see, you know, actually coming up with engaging learning and lesson opportunities is really hard work. <laughs> And if you spend hours on making sure that everything's on the right planning template, you're not spending that time invested in what's the really right the learning opportunity that's going to get people engaged with this and achieve what we need to do. Um, one of the things I always come back to is the kind of demise over time of after-school clubs. And I think increasingly they're kind of privately funded now or you've got a limited number. Um, and I look back at my own, I always refer to my middle school days. There just seems to be a whole plethora of clubs to choose from at lunchtime and after school. And I wanted to sign up for all of them and I did two or three a week. And over the years, particularly in the kind of 90s, early noughties, perhaps, teachers just became so overloaded, they didn't have time to do that. And I think, actually, what, what more would you want from a school than an exciting range of extracurricular activities? So finding that balance is so important. And every minute teachers or school staff spend on things that aren't creating those wonderful moments is kind of an opportunity lost, I think. <laughs> Yes, and, and everyone's striving for this creative curriculum, aren't they? You know, that in an ideal world, we'll go back to the days when we could just go out into the garden or go and smell the roses or, or whatever it was that was, you know, allowed to happen. And, and these days, those challenges as the head teacher, as you described earlier, is yes, there are certain boxes you've got to tick um, because that's the function of a school, whether it's an independent school, whether it's a a primary school, secondary school, part of a mat or not, there will be expectations on you. How do you get that balance right? Yeah. Interestingly, when I first came to East Preston, um, the the school had recently had an extension. um, And normally, you come in as a new head, you want to set out your vision and that might include rebranding or changing the school's motto and things. Well, my school's motto had just been created in an enormous plastic sign stuck to the front of the hall. That sounds, it makes it sound really tacky. It does look very nice. Um, but you can't really afford to change that straight away. You can't come in and say, well, you know, you put that big sign up. Um, so I, I was working with it. But actually, our, our motto that's written up on large in front of the building is enjoyment and excellence. And those of you who've been around for a while will recognise the inversion of the old phrase from the, the Labour documentation. But I talk with our staff 
about how important it is that we don't presume that one of those is dependent on or leads to the other. It's not just a case of if children come to me in school and enjoy themselves, then they will be excellent. And equally, it's not necessarily the case that if we're just excellent at everything, everybody will enjoy it. Um, and sometimes you just have to do the enjoyment things for their own purpose. So we do as a school want to have opportunities where it doesn't meet a curriculum objective. It doesn't tick a box for anybody in particular, but it does meet our whole school objective of, you know, everybody really enjoyed that. And I think fun sometimes becomes a bit of a dirty word if it's a waste of time. And I and I tend to agree, if, if you're trying to squeeze fun into lessons where it doesn't fit, then actually you often don't have that much fun. Or, or children think, mm, this is a teacher's idea of fun, is it? Um, <laughs> And, and you don't get the excellence either. Much more important to say, you know what, we're striving for excellence in the academic things we're doing, in the sporting things we're doing, in the, in the social things. But also sometimes we just absolutely want to enjoy ourselves because that, that's also part of what primary school is about. It has to be, doesn't it? Because they're they're there a lot, as, yes. as are the teachers. Yes. <laughs> um, and if it's somewhere they don't like being, then actually you, you are making the job much harder. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny enough, my children are preschool age now. We're talking, we're at that stage do you want them in an after school club and in school from seven till six you think well do you know if the balance is right if you're getting it right that that's fine if you if you're doing a range of activities and they've got some activities that can engage with absolutely fine what you don't want is yeah monotony for the day and actually nor do you as a teacher you don't yeah. want a day of monotony there either even if it did get you good results it, it wouldn't be worth it as a job exactly exactly so um some of the more sort of mundane stuff like raising standards you know um, am i allowed to ask a question like that <laughs> I hope we're doing that as well. I hope we're doing that, but, but I think it comes back to that purposefulness. So um, when we're raising standards, you've got to be absolutely clear about what it is you think is going to achieve that and how you're going to do it. And if it's going to be a demand on your time, then where's that time going to come from? Because again, you're never going to go into a school where the issue is actually these teachers are just knocking off at two o'clock and could be working a lot harder. If, if you're going to do something new, you've got to find some time savings. Um, one of the examples here for us, I think assessment's absolutely essential to what we do. And we want to be able to track regularly where the children are at, use that to identify things. But I also know how much I dreaded marking optional tests when those were around and getting to the end of the frustration of, well, this has told me what I already knew. So, you know, one of the things we like about being able to do computer-aided tests is just sit down, it's 20 minutes, it's done, and you've got standardised results, something you can work with. Um, and actually that that means teachers reap the benefits of that assessment without the additional workload and I think there are lots of cases like that where we also we become ingrained in what we've always done so we well we've always done a termly writing moderation so we still do a termly writing moderation and asking that question every now and again of is this achieving what we need it to achieve or um, one of the questions I, I try once a term in my staff meetings to just talk to all my teachers and say is there anything we could stop doing is there anything we're still doing now that actually has has run its course, it's served its purpose, or actually we've all just realised we're doing it because we thought we had to? Because that, again, is taking away from an opportunity that, that could be running an after-school club or it could be focusing on improving that knowledge of times tables or whatever it needs to be where our focus should be. It's, it's got to be choosing the right priorities, that, that purposeful thinking about every minute you're spending. Wow, that's that's there's a lot in there. There's a there's a obviously it's something that you're thinking about a lot and 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 with SATs coming up, you know, are we again haven't been around for two years? Um, what? How's that? How does that look? Uh, do you know, I, I'm in that group of people who's quite happy to have them back. I, I've never been too fussed about them existing. Um, and I will speak until the cows come home about the value of kind of levels of accountability in schools. I, 
I absolutely understand people concerned this year is we're going to see some real variation. Um, and I think that's right. And I think that's what we need to treat it as. Actually, like all good assessment, you're not looking for a definitive answer. You're looking for information. Um, so you want to be able to take away from that. Well, what, what have we learned? And, and for us at the moment, actually never have primary schools learned a great deal from key stage two tests or infant tests that matter or even baseline. And I think that's okay. That's not their purpose. They're not helpful to primary schools, particularly. So let's not invest so much time and effort in worrying about them. So, do you know, I'm I'm really confident that our year six is going to do well this year in the terms of the context they've had, the teaching they've had has been brilliant. They can be really proud with what they've achieved at the end of it. And what the actual numbers are then doesn't matter because I know that that's where they've come from, what they've deserved. And absolutely, somebody externally at some point will come and say, tell me about these numbers here and I'll sit and I will care as much as is absolutely necessary for those bits, but it but it shouldn't be a driver. And, and I think what we saw is over the last couple of years, people have said how wonderful it was not to be driven by the SATs. I think we, we need to cling on to that bit. And, and maybe that means we've got some work to do on how those results are used. I think that's that's where the concern is. Um, rather, you know, the tests themselves aren't scary. They're fine. No, it, you're right. It's it's the the results and the tables and all of that sort of comparison that yeah. goes on, which doesn't take account of some of the more fundamental elements that go into education. It's not just the test, is it, on that day? No, exactly. And you know, you know, I've never yet, no, very rarely met a parent whose whose sole focus is the results at the end of year six. You know, people don't choose their schools on the basis of well, they got forty two percent and they got fifty one percent. It's not of interest. People go around and they get a sense of the place and the staff and the environment and the opportunities. Um, and actually, everybody who's involved in children's education recognises it's broader than that. And yeah, there, there are tables published and there are pictures of things in the newspaper that you have to worry about. But actually, the, the people who matter, the children, their parents, their families in your community will see your school for what it is, for what it brings their children. And I think it's, it's trying to keep that in perspective. It's been fascinating talking to you, Michael, and such a pleasure. Um, I feel as though we've rattled through all sorts of things. Is, is there anything else you'd like to add or mention that perhaps you thought, oh, I wanted to say that? One of the things I often come back to is that, that kind of routinization of what we do. We've always done it. We consistently continue doing the same things, or we've heard other people are doing it. And when we were looking at our marking a few years ago, saying, is this achieving its purpose? The question I like to ask staff and teachers particularly is, if this was banned, what would you secretly be doing anyway? You know, if I said you couldn't use any sort of written marking, how would you get around it? What would you do? What would you think is so important that you'd find a way? And those are probably the, the bits we need to keep. And, and that applies to all, all sorts of content. You know, if I said you can't do any sort of written planning anymore, what would you start writing down in secret? What would you have on the back of a post-it note to help you? Well, that that's what planning should look like. That should be our starting point. If, if you looked at the curriculum and said, do you know what, I've said you can't teach computing anymore, which are the bits you're saying, well, actually, it's so important that I'd insist on it being there. And I think it's a good starting point. It probably isn't the end point. You, do, you, you probably don't want to reduce things to that end. But it's better to start from that point of view, I think, and then saying what might embellish it, what might further improve it, rather than starting with the what does everyone else do, what's always been done, and what else could we add to it? Because I think that's how you get that arms race. It very quickly happens that you've heard that the school down the road got offset and they were doing that and they asked for that and they've done this and that school over there is doing something else. You can quickly add things to what you're doing. Um, it's much harder to take them away. 
So if you start from that very base threshold of what's the absolute minimum we would do, even if we weren't supposed to be, um, it's quite a nice kind of think piece for, for discussion on those. Nice. So if you were given an extra 20 minutes every day, you can choose whatever you want to do or would like to impact others. Have you got something? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So if, if, if given the free reign, I'd probably knock off 20 minutes early. If somebody could say I could take 20 minutes off because, and this is one of the things, it should absolutely be a family-friendly prof- profession. You know, we, the sort of people you want teaching groups of children in classrooms are the people who also want to spend time with children generally, and that will include their own. Um, and like I say, I've, my children are relatively young, but I always talk when I'm taking people around on a tour about how important it is for me that staff can get home to their families. And that's not just if they've got children, actually. I quite like it if staff quite like seeing their partners. You know, it's not always the case, I suppose, but um, but that's got to be key. I think as well, in schools, one of the saddest things is when you visit a staff room at lunchtime and nobody's got time to be there. Because again, actually, these are social people. If you can find 20 minutes of savings in your school day that gives people a bit more time to get down to the staff room, have a cup of coffee and chat to somebody else, actually you'll get a whole host of things. You know, I, I walk into my staff room frequently and walk out very quickly when I hear the tone of conversation. All sorts of weird, bizarre angles that can go on of what's been seen on TV. But also a lot of the time you walk in and hear people talking about the impact something's had on their children or how they've got around a particular problem. And I think that that should be the lifeblood of school is people being able to, to communicate and chat with one another and, and professionals sharing stories, but also colleagues just sharing a bit of a breather. So yeah, I think 20 minutes would either be at home or in school, but actually it's about a bit of social time, I think. That's really important. And you started by talking about, you know, maybe there's some people listening who'd like to come and work in your school. And and it's lovely to hear you talk about, you know, your ideal culture and the way in which you'd like teaching and learning to be delivered, um, shared, whatever um, verb we want to use and I'm I'm thrilled that that renaissance is part of that as well and I'm absolutely thrilled to have spoken to you and and thank you so much for sharing what you shared and I think you're going to be inundated with applications now Michael people are going to say I'm going to want to work there I, I want and I want that 20 minutes they'll want that written into their contract yes yes <laughs> I must be I'm slightly concerned you, you can imagine my own staff listening to this there's going to be somebody saying well he didn't do that the other day, did he? Yeah, it was, it was bound That's to always be a danger. Yeah, we're never quite perfect, but, but, but we're striving in the right direction, I think, is the key. Thank you very much indeed for sharing everything that you have. It's a pleasure. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. And don't forget that you can catch up on all previous episodes at www renlearn.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening.